Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is October 13th. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, I'm doing okay. I'm uh, I'm recording from my uh, my parents' basement like a true blog boy and uh, just hoping, hoping the internet uh, holds up. It has been a problematic internet situation over the past year here. So just, just uh, hoping, hoping that uh, we don't run into some issues. This is like, yeah, it's kind of the modern, it's like the millennial age going back to your parents' house, trying to find the corner of the house that works. Like, I, I have this at my parents' house occasionally. Like, my dad was like, well, we got this damn extender. Like, why don't you go over here? You know, it happens that, like, that and the remote situation at your parents' house going, like, how do the remotes work? Why do they still need two, three, four remotes to operate, you know, a cable package, but yeah, I got you. We're 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 on. Uh, we're fighting through it. You're in the basement. There's quite a bit of stuff accumulating at my parents' house, and I'm starting to look around, and I'm like, why is there the CD player that in in the basement <laughs> yeah. that like we used when I was a kid? Like, why is it still here? Uh, <laughs> you know what? When was the last time it was used? I doubt it works. Um, <laughs> it was like a it's like a cd player out of sharper image from like 2000 right you know right like the we got the five disc changer yeah. with, the, with the speakers a, on it a yeah, three yeah, di- yeah a three disc changer with the speakers and it's like <laughs> god that thing hasn't been used in in 30 years and it's still down there 20 20 years and it's still down there oh we are old we are old um yeah, we are old. Are you watching any of the baseball playoffs by chance? I have. I'm really I have not a interested. little bit. Yeah, we're in a uh, Bill Haas chipping out of the mud situation in the playoffs at this point because the 80 win team, the 84 win teams, the night, you know, the the substandard, not the sub, but you know, the deep lawn seeds who are, you know, shouldn't be favored, shouldn't have the ability to capitalize on a five game sample size or a best of five game are advancing and there's a lot of bait and i'm i'm just i'm playing devil's advocate here there's a lot of baseball folks raining their hands about this they want of course it's a money play more series more playoff games equals more money people saying well it should just go back to pennant winners <laughs> you know one team each like that's the whole postseason one team from each league uh i don't know what the deal is maybe you do a i suggested a staggered start leaderboard this morning but it's amusing i just say the playoffs they they have issues really in, in almost every sport. There there you can you know, issue complaints. You know Very few get it perfect. Where there aren't uh, complaints issued is the NBA. I feel like the seven game series, and I think one of the things with the Maybe. NBA is that the five player, um, the, you know, five players playing, <laughs> the best teams reveal themselves because they cut down the the rotation to seven players like the problem with MLB NFL all these you know golf in this too is like the best player 
doesn't always win because it's, you know, there's a lot of parody, the more, more people that are involved with playoffs, right? There's more outcomes when there's, you know, in, in baseball, you've got, you know, uh, all, uh, you know, the, but the pitchers and everything, you got 15, 16, 17 players playing in a game. Right. Um, yep. so it just, yep. you know, you, you just bring in these more outcomes and I think, I think, uh, yeah, you got to go to seven game series if you're the MLB. I agree. It's uh, nobody. Nobody wants to see the Braves lose. You know, nobody wants to see the Diamondbacks. Yeah, you don't want to see Diamondbacks, uh, the uh, Phillies. No offense to the Philadelphia fan base. I know. I, 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 I. Nobody wants to Phillies. see. Nobody wants to see the Diamondbacks. Nobody. That's that. That much is sure. I don't know who wants to see the Diamondbacks. I, I don't know if it's Ra, just, John just, Ra. Maybe they should dissolve the Diamondbacks. Honestly, they got, I didn't even they know they'd still... updated their colors and their uniform. Like I just, I hadn't, I hadn't had any association or contact with the existence of the Diamondbacks until really like last night. I was like, I got, ah, they got, I, they got like pink and teal now. I got a question for you. Yeah. What was what is your more what uh, early two thousands late nineties stadium feature did you like more the pool in Arizona or the hill with the flags on the inside at Enron Field? That's a good one. I forgot about the pool situation. Is the pool still there? Is it gone? Uh, it's got to be gone, don't they? Have they made a new stadium since? Like, you know, I don't think it. I think you know, it's building? the same stadium. Ah, that was such a gimmick, a big thing. I love the Rockies with like the creek and the the pine trees out in center field. Yeah. Kind of the, the rock when that opened in '98 or whatever that was. Uh, '95 maybe. Uh, the the uh, the hill in the middle of the center <laughs> field is freaking undefeated in this. I know we bring this up maybe twice a year on this <laughs> podcast. My favorite were the flagpoles inside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, who thought that was a good idea to put flagpoles on the inside? Like, guys are running full speed after a fly ball, and they got to work in the back of their head. It's like there might be a flagpole. Like, you see this in the NFL. You saw it with Calvin Ridley. He ran into the um, the goal, yeah. the the yeah. Um, field goal post. Out, uh, right. in week one or two it was like shook up he was i he actually was like, you you get your bell rung if you run into that and you don't expect it to happen you could really hurt yourself i think they should put the field goal post on the goal line instead of the back of the end zone like the old school whatever it is cfl like when you have those you'd have those like biggest hits and hardest crunch like mixtapes of the 90s those highlights and blooper reels Half of them would be guys running into the goalposts in like CFL games. That, that's what they should do. They should move that. But yes, the uphill deal, center field at Enron, I, can I Enron throw, Field was an all-time. Can I throw something in for my beloved field, my beloved stadium? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's insane that Wrigley Field still has a brick wall. It's a brick wall. <laughs> like, it's one of no the padding. Most, No padding. Right? Yeah, yeah it's, just ivy. Okay, there's an ivy and a brick wall behind it. It's insane that in 2023 the brick wall still exists. Yeah, like it is a, a huge injury risk. Right. In this era of avoidable. player safety, we do not want star players getting injured. There's still a brick wall at Wrigley Field. I'm not saying it should change. 
I just want to point out, like in the That's era crazy. of like NFL yeah. concussion protocol, like every sport's doing everything they can to keep star players playing. There's a brick wall <laughs> in Wrigley Field. <laughs> there are players All that right. play 81 games with a brick wall in their outfield. Uh, that concludes our Friday Sports Minute, a nostalgia minute, uh, as we lead off here. Getting us to the weekend in October. We've got Shriners going on. We've got Spanish Open. We've got the Thailand on the uh, Thailand Championship on the women's, where I believe Maha Stark is leading. I'm getting a lot of criticism for my pronunciation of Maya Maha. Don't call me Maha Stark. I'm just having a little bit of fun. That's my pronunciation guide. You know, you guys can either adapt or, or not. I don't care. But uh, yeah, a lot of golf going on. None of that matters. All we care about these days in golf. No matter what, what, no matter whether golf's booming or busting, you're going to mispronounce names. That's it. Won't matter. It's it. It just doesn't matter. I, I will always be bad at pronunciations, no matter what's going on in the world of golf. And what's going on there now is a debate about rankings, off course stuff, as was going to be the case for uh, for the rest of this year. I feel like just off course moving and, and maneuvering. Uh, the OWGR ruling came out Tuesday after we had recorded, sadly, on Toasty Tales and further hat gate cleanup but we'll address it now they have denied OWGR things come out you know we're not going to adjust our pod schedule we're done with the days of waiting yeah and you know what this podcast addressing the news of the day is like only like you know it's a 50 50 proposition sometimes we decide not to sometimes we decide to talk about outfield walls you know maybe we will maybe we won't who knows but that was the news of tuesday OWGR has denied Liv's application for points. Peter Dawson gave the commentary to Doug Ferguson, uh, Ron Green Jr. Um, RG2. <laughs> I just put that out. You can't. That name cannot come up <laughs> without you saying RG2. <laughs> Every time. I love Ron. Um, Ron Green is yeah. one of the oh, nicest yeah. guys in golf. But I just I just you call him RG2 every time. RG2. Not to his face, right? But yeah. I don't even call him RG2 to his face, but I think I'm gonna start. <laughs> at this point. At this point. It's just too RG2. good. Global Golf Post, Ron Geary Jr. had quotes. Peter Dawson seemed to be taking pains to understand the blowback that would be coming, said, you know, this is not a political decision. This is purely technical. Um, we can get around that they are only have there's no cuts, that there's only 54 holes. Um, what we cannot get around is that <clears throat> this league is contractually obligated to keep players in there. Um, there's some relegation that's come on, but by and large, and if you look at some of the statistics, I mean, Lee Westwood has been dog shit, like terrible. Graham McDowell, not competitive player anymore. But they're contractually obligated, I don't know about those, to maybe have another year, to have another year. And so this was Dawson's hang-up is, look, there's not really a method of open qualification to get into this league. And there's guys who could be contractually obligated to to maintain a, a spot no matter how bad they are. And this runs antithetical to the other 24 tours that we rate and rank. And therefore, we're not, you know, protecting them if we were to admit someone that deviates so far from their 
rules. So they didn't. Um, so I, yeah, I think this, listen, this is a complicated topic. Um, do, do I think Dustin Johnson should be ranked outside the top 100 in the world? No. Um, do I think there are some like very big flaws in lives format that make it very difficult to rank? Yes. Um, somehow some other ranking formulas have figured it out to provide some approximation. Um, I think that there are a lot of conflicting um, factors with the OWGR, and that's a big problem. Um, I also think that Liv's format is a huge problem. And I think that both of them, for their own existence, their own legitimacy, probably should work on together towards a resolution. Now, I like really have been thinking about this and... Um, you know, with what's going on with the framework agreement, I it, it seems like it it might be, you know, rumor might be on the edge, it might not happen. You know, it could be some alternative solution. It could be the framework agreement. It seems very much up in the air at this point. Um, you know, it does not seem like it is like, you know, it when we go back in time we could look at the CNBC announcement as one of the most preposterous, absurd announcements in the history of PR. Um, Let me interject. Interject here. Did you see Jay Monahan as a uh, guest of the Deal Book Summit, which no. is Andrew Sorkin's? It's it's like heavy hitters. It's Jamie Dimon. It's you know CEO like massive, not just like CEO of any like massive, and then Jay Monahan. And I thought to myself. Like, because it always goes so well when he's up on stage with someone from CNBC. There's, it's really sort of a, a it's like a Chase Kepka situation. It's like, why is he on this roster? Why is he, the speakers in the lineup? Anyways, CNBC announcement triggered my that that news in my head this morning. But go ahead. So, anyways, we're in this like really weird state of golf, um, and depending on how how things shake out it feels like live might be around right so if i'm if i'm running live i need to look at this and say you know what it's time for us to make changes who cares about graham mcdowell nobody nobody cares about graham mcdowell he's doing nothing for your league zero he's doing absolutely zero you know what what nfl rosters do when somebody's making money and doing absolutely nothing for them they cut them. They they say, hey, and a lot of players, like NBA, they buy them out. They say, go take a hike. Like, the Liv needs to fix its competitive issue. If they, like, especially with kind of, if you read kind of the tea leaves as to what's going on, it seems like Liv might be around, you know? And if they're going to be around, they need to get in the world rankings. They need to do this. Why? For their players. I think they just it it just would add they have a lot of product issues. They have a lot of like legitimacy issues. I mean, I talked to a friend of mine who went to the Live Go uh Chicago event. He said 600 people were at the Tiesto con concert. 600. Yeah. This is, you're you're putting on these things and nobody cares at all about them. Nobody. So You've got like a serious legitimacy issue. And in the OWGR, 
Saying that you have a legitimacy issue is only accentuating this problem. Nobody takes your golf league seriously. So it's that's, actually time. It's it's time for you to take your own golf league seriously and start to say, you know what? Like we get, we got two years out of these guys. They helped us start this league and it's okay for us to just pay them to ride off in the sunset. And we're going to use our feeder tour, which they have. They have the stuff in place and we're going to make this a real golf tour, which it, they got great players playing. I'm not saying they don't have great talent. They don't have like a legitimate league. They, they have it, it seems set. Like- they have it set up. If they make four tweaks, it could be a legitimate tour. It could be like if they could figure out how we do player movement, if they could figure out how to relegate players and make it fiercely competitive, they all of a sudden are sitting on something that could be something. But right now they have just too many idiots and they have too much outsized influence with guys that don't matter. Frankly, Lee Westwood, Graham McDowell. um, What's Louis Oosthuizen done in the last, like, I mean, the guy finished like runner up in three majors the year before. And since he got paid, he's done jack shit. You know, Martin Keimer. What is Martin Keimer doing for your golf league? Nothing. So well, they they they're nice on a press press release, but press releases don't compel viewers to watch. And that is the problem that you have with your golf league right now. So it's time to make your two years into this experiment. They need to work on that. But the OWGR is also at the same junction, like legitimately facing uh, extinction. Because if you can't figure out a way to to rank Cameron Smith, Dustin Johnson, like these, both of these organizations are in trouble. Yeah, it's weird. Like I, I it's like you call the complicated. That doesn't really play well in like the hot take environment that we live in. You either have to condemn it or you have to like, you know, praise the decision. And I think it's just really, there's a lot of factors at play that I think are regrettable for all, for multiple reasons. I think like live, live is, and it's got some real talents, like you said, but it's, it's barely legitimate competition right now. And I don't mean to say that, I don't mean to disparage that, uh, the talents there, but these are like glorified programs right now. And there's nobody going to them. Like you just said, there's nobody really paying attention. Um, do I think that what they've done in, in a year of year plus was like pretty impressive that it exists, that they got off the ground? Yeah. But I don't think these are real competitive environments right now. Maybe it is for a couple guys. Um, and what it signals to me though, like they just went and did it and they got sold kind of a bill of goods by Greg Norman. It's like, oh yeah, they, they have to recognize us. We'll shoot first and ask questions later. And they built this league with some foundational issues in the eyes of the OWGR and the eyes of like really assessing a, a competitive golf league. Is it an entertainment product? Fine. Then go for that. Let me, I, I understand. Maybe that's a better argument, but it's kind of emblematic of like their whole approach since the beginning. Like we're going to go do it and then 
put the onus back on you saying you're crazy. You're a, you're, you're being a wimp. You're being a, you know, snowflake. You were just going to do it. And of course we're legitimate. And of course we're fine. Of course. Now you're not, you're illegitimate for not recognizing us. You have to take us seriously. It's kind of been their whole attitude and it's part and parcel with some of the people they have on it, like a Bryson type who's, who just goes and does it and then fills his diaper when there's consequences for it or, or kicks and screams when there's maybe, you know, oh, by the way, there's like, you don't just get what you want all the time. On the other hand, like a lot of the OWGRs we've done in Flashback Fridays was just fucking conjured up out of nowhere and quickly and all by the seat of our pants and shoot first and ask questions later type stuff. Like the masters just the masters in the eighties was like, didn't know what the OWGR was. It was an exemption making exemption. We're not talking about 1935. We're talking about like a couple jet, like a generation ago, this thing had zero weight. And so a lot of decisions and otherwise very legitimate and highly esteemed golf tournaments, organizations, operations are kind of make it up as you go and fly by the seat of your pants uh, changes. And we've seen that with the PGA Tour. Well, yeah, and that's like there are the rankings things. out there that have live guys in them, whether they're data golf or whatever else. Uh, I don't know. Some of them are maybe more bogus than others. So it is probably possible. I just think it's 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 I think both sides have now it's harder for me to take some of the live guys seriously i got a press release with the laundry list of all their players saying they're obsolete now they don't matter this that and the other i think the the onus is the talking points you know they they hand these guys talking points and it's just they run with them and they clearly did envision not not just a future where they wouldn't get points it's like that they wouldn't have access to majors. Like maybe they, they just thought it would all work out. We're going to go take the money sign and figure it out later. And then the onus is on you guys to figure it out for us, not us to have to adapt. And I have like sort of an issue with that, with that approach. Um, now I think the majors are probably going to adapt, right? I think the majors are going to create some version of an exemption. Martin Slumbers, Slumbers has already acknowledged uh, Bryson's first outcry about that. Like, you know, we could do that. We might, whatever it is, top five live finishers of a season or, or whatever they come up with, I think there's probably an onus to get a few live guys. The ones that are good have a lot of, ex- have like, you know, exemptions for other avenues already. But but I do think it seems like that's maybe the way we're headed. I don't know. Maybe Augusta National says go pound sand or in, in the open says go pound sand. You, you just, you, you didn't qualify. I yeah. Know. It's I mean- complicated. It's very complicated, and I was reading the stuff about um, that they put out about the, you know, the reasons they didn't qualify. You know, with with um, with the relegation stuff, and you know, I read it, and I'm kind of like, you know what? Like, I kind of think the PGA Tour is going to fall into this bucket with this elevated thing. I know their models predict that it's going to be twenty percent, but we've seen time and time again. Every time the PGA Tour institutes something, they fuck it up. And the models are not going to be right. There's not going to be a 20% churn. It's going to be like a 5%, 10% churn. We'll see. You know, that's what I would guess is that there's going to be 10% churn. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a second. Like, the tour doesn't qualify under these uh, qualifications with, these, with this bogus-ass, no-cut bullshit that they are putting out there now, you know? 
Um, and I think like that's like another complication to this that makes it like extremely delicate, right? Like, and it's the problem, like this is this is the problem with the OWGR, right? Is that they they're saying all this and the tour that they really are pr- propping up supporting might fall into the same bucket pretty quickly as the other tour um, that they're rejecting. So this is like both sides need work. Both sides of this need to do a little bit of work, need to do a little bit of evolution um, because, you know, day by day, it's becoming more and more likely that live is going to be around. Yeah, it's around, but it feels as irrelevant as ever, Andy. And and do you agree with that? I, I I'm struggling. Like I'm trying to take pains to 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 recognize it in, in as positive a light. And I know there are some diehard fans out there, and many of them have Twitter accounts, and they they really love it. But it feels as irrelevant as ever. I agree um, with that. It's a terror. They're they've done an awful job. They did an amazing job getting it stood up. And since then, they have done they've done basically everything wrong. But like we are living in a in a world where like if the framework agreement doesn't happen, what if the Saudis turn around and invest the money that they were ready to invest in the PGA tour and live? They've they I, now have like I I just I look at it from that standpoint. And I think like I'm never you you should never ever count out a, a well funded competitor. Totally. Yeah. Certainly not. And yeah. and I I don't think that I think I think that we're at a uh a point in this whole thing where it could go a lot of different directions. Um we're at an inflection point with the whole whole thing the deal's got to get done by what december 31st right yeah so we've got yep. we've got roughly two months for this deal to get done if it doesn't get done what happens and that that's the thing that i am uh, most compelled about the next couple months is if the deal doesn't happen what what do the what does the piff fund do with live um do they double down do they just kind of let it operate the way it's operated the last year with no significant player signings, no significant investment really. Um, or do they kill it? And I think like I mean, of all three of those, if, if they get shut out of, of, of the PGA tour, I can't imagine them. I, I, I can't imagine the third option of they shutting it down. And I would have a strong feeling that they might, put more money into live. I mean, I think if you're the PGA tour, the ideal outcome is Saudis take a a piece at the table. That's not as substantial as the framework agreement called for. And now there's other outside investment, Um, but they get their, their, their investment in whatever new co is. And then they get what they want. Maybe not at, at the influence that they originally had. But live is just still live is live is not a good business right now. It's just not. And if you're at the table no. where there is a good business, maybe you fold up live. I'd say that's an ideal situation. I would say if you're the PGA Tour, we'll see. 
Um, all right, but they don't have OWGR. People like Joaquin Neiman, the younger guys, Mito Pereira, the guys who didn't win majors, who didn't have exemptions, are kind of uh, screwed for 2024 majors, at least right now, unless we get some sort of uh, exemption overhauls. Um, so, and, all right, and should I just, we do... Like, uh, I think, like, listen... There's influential players that believe this is the best thing for golf is to have these competing tours so people can have leverage. And I would I, say that it's it's really shitty for golf fans who which is what all this is for, you know? Like if there were no golf fans, you wouldn't be getting paid millions of dollars to play golf. So this is a really like what's going on really sucks. Like no matter who, what side of the, what side of the fence you're on here, this I, I would say, situation sucks because I, so. I want to see the best players in the world play major championships. And right now we are not going to be seeing that next year without a massive overhaul of qualification. I would say as someone who who is invested in pro golf, covers pro golf, um, enjoys pro golf, I think the people in and around pro golf are significantly overestimating um, their the the worth and value and interest around anything but a, like a couple tournaments and a couple people, and it doesn't matter None of whether which it's under the Liv, PGA Tour or Live owns. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't matter. None of the tournaments that people care, right, right, are what yeah, we're fighting over. Yeah, and I love pro golf, and I, I I think it's great, but I think people severely overestimate how much people give a shit about their act. They might care about the drama, this palace intrigue of league versus league, but people don't give a shit about the actual product, except for a couple tournaments and a few guys, some guys. So, um, all right. Let's Just get on to happier news. Not hey, well. Go ahead. Hey, doesn't it feel like we're just fighting over a Jaguars Titans Thursday night game? A bunch of those. You mean like those have those have a huge audience? Those have real value, I'm even saying, if the product the, sucks. I'm saying in the realm of the NFL, right? In the uh, realm of yeah, the NFL. Yeah. It, this yeah. is the comp for golf is we're fighting over a bunch of meaningless shit tournaments. Maybe. Yeah. But they're getting so much money for this shit, you know, or think they should get so much money for this shit. It feels like, um, like, all right, here's a, here's a question. Do you think golf would be more popular? If, if the only tournaments played, on an annual basis, were the Bagers? Uh, no, probably not. I don't think it'd be less necessarily. If that's a bigger, more important question, like if I don't the think only it'd be more popular, if the no. only tournaments were those, do you, no. don't you think there'd be more of a a call to action to go watch golf? Uh, no, not ne- no, not necessarily. I don't know. I think there's value in tonnage too. Just having a lot. So it's like I think the PGA ratings, the PGA ratings would double if if it was one of only four tournaments a year. Hmm. Maybe I I think tennis. I don't know what tennis does, but that would feel like a a 
maybe a comp to study on that because I don't think people really follow anything else outside of those four majors in tennis. To me, the majors almost get hurt. The people that are getting hurt, there's two constituents that are getting hurt by all this fighting. It's one, the fans and like the overarching um, interest in golf in terms of like watching golf, not the drama, like watching golf uh, because they find some of this stuff just like unpalatable, despicable, Mm -hmm. disgusting. So the fans, and then I would say the major championships are hindered by this. I think if that, that none of this existed, if the PGA tour didn't exist, if the, if the live live tour didn't exist and they were the only show in town, golf would be their, their tournament ratings, their revenues would be higher than ever. To this point, um, Phil is tweeting actively here on Thursday morning as we record this, like a lot, uh, some at Kyle Porter, some at just Trevor Immelman, um, really active on Twitter. One of them, which was like, this is, move six in the 37 (laughs) you know chest yeah move 37 you'll see it all which is just nuts but he's alleging some conspiracy here between the majors and the tours to deny that like some of the desperation of of these these owgr block like you could tell they hadn't really planned for this future where points could not be a possibility but another thread of what he's arguing or what he's alleging is he thinks these players should, I don't know, form a collective bargaining unit? I don't know what he's, I don't know what the uh, comrade Phil is, is suggesting here and come and take not 5% of major p- purses, but 40, 50%, half. I don't know, like a similar to an NBA players union. Maybe that's true. I guess I just think these guys are, are overshooting how much, you know, how much they matter to golf's popularity in the country, to golf, recreational golf. I'm not sure that they do that much outside of, again, a few guys, Phil probably being one, and a few events. And just to always want more, 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 and take a ton of money out of the USGA's pocket, out of the PGA's pocket, out of the RNA's pocket, that like goes to that recreational game. And I'm not suggesting they're all saints in those organizations, and it's all expertly spent. But like a lot of that money, if they want to, they want to take from whatever the U.S. Open raises or whatever they are, or the Open raises, like that does go into a larger grassroots stuff, PGA stuff, and just to funnel a big chunk of that to more of these guys' pockets, I think would be a really bad look. And that's where Phil is 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 tweeting this morning: is you know we want to take even more of the larger golf pie. And to, to even fewer one percent of folks, so it's interesting. Whatever, who, who knows whether there were only four of them, like you suggest, they'd be even more popular. But it's all on the table right now, at least in, in theory. So. Um, all right, let's move on to happier news. I guess not so happy news. Ben on suspended for doping for three months for taking allegedly cough syrup over the uh, or some sort of cough medicine over the counter in Korea. I don't have a lot to add to this. Feels like the NCAA giving sanctions to like a directional school, like Southwest, whatever yeah. state. Well, and then, and then, you know, then they, they backdated the violation. Right. So it's the fall. 
and he doesn't plus now yeah, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't get any. It was August. He's ready to go yeah. by the time the elevated events kick off in January. This is just right. It's a it's but, another toothless violation by the and it's, PGA Tour. And it's Benny on like the Kentuckys, the Texas, the the UCLA's, the big brands. Like those guys, NCAA rarely puts the hammer down on them. There have probably been some pretty high high profile players who have violated. Uh, drug policies. I just, I don't know that we hear about them. So Ben on suspended. Um, TGL adds a few more names. Cameron Young, Keegan Bradley, Sahit the Gala. Um, pardon me if I'm omitting anyone. My, my internet is actually being bad. I will hand up on this one. My internet's acting up. Um, so they had some more names, non-captains. We did get maybe some feedback that, that does seem like blocky is probably not going to be one of the two remaining teams. We did but get inside intel. It would, wouldn't would shock us, I suppose, if Blocky plays a role or is seen here or there uh, down the line. Blocky playing with Stephen Malbon out at the preserve, which makes you want to just jump out of four-story. When, when I was at the um, preserve recently, uh, Stephen Malbon was there. You know? I just saw, looking for it. Yeah. saw a celebrity, real-life celebrity. Starstruck. Good, good. Yeah, Keegan, Cam Young, and Sahith. So I got them all there. But I still think there's a, there's four or five more spots. Uh, I think that does it for what we need to talk about on the golf. Front. I don't should know. To- I don't know if they should shut you know shut the door on Blocky so quick. He's got some exemptions coming up uh, in in the in Q1 of 2023. Uh, yeah, he's playing Amex. He's playing somewhere else. Right? Tory, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be Amex, out there. I mean, Amex could be a great spot for him. Rom Rom calls it a putting contest, right? Chip, yeah, chipping a putting contest. So, so if it's that, you know, that Blocky Blocky should be should be a favorite, maybe the betting favorite for that. More FedEx points next year, Blocky or Toasty. Blocky might play more events than Toasty. The way the the schedule set up for rookies. You know, plus suspension, potential yeah. suspensions too. <laughs> Can't play if you're not allowed, you know, even if you're exempt. Um, we'll do over unders. I think we're moving over unders to January. The season well, doesn't the count. Right still, now, right? Yeah, it this doesn't is matter. Tactically, yeah. that we're all confused here, jamming you know, up we're our still schedule, trying to figure, <laughs> figure it out ourselves. So, Should let's we do, do some golf, golf advice. advice. It's Friday. SGS golf advice is Gmail is the uh, is the email where you can reach out to us. Who's it brought, um, to, brought you by? to you by Club TFE? Club TFE Pro Shop. We've got a ton of good fall stuff in there. Club um, TFE I'm Pro Shop? Of... We have a Club TFE Pro Shop? Oh, shit. Friday Golf Pro Shop. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm bouncing around. We have a ton. Of... Meg texted us their well, message us the other day. And Club TFE and the Friday, Friday Pro Shop. It's all under the one umbrella. Club TFE have a 10% off discount. And, and the shotgun buddy. start. Because... You know, whether we're booming or busting, we're doing this. Yeah, we got it all. Um, Meg said the dratty stuff, the fall stuff is moving faster than usual. So that it looks really good. They did a great job. There's some really good layering pieces in there. I I would recommend. uh, I was checking out the global logistics uh, home yesterday. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's, um, you know, it's a it's a small family run shop, and it has infiltrated the family room, the uh, 
god! And it, and it might be a bridge too far for the uh, the logistics center. They are. Are we uh, going to have to professionalize now? All of a sudden. Well, we're we're looking at a lot of situations. I think we need to um, we need to get rid of some of our like five year old inventory. You know, clear. Can some I do sh- something on that? Clear. I'm wearing shelf. one of these flannel hats right now. Whatever they are. Please, this is the most. I was very dubious. Was like Will was like, you got to try one. It is the best fall hat. I noticed we have some shotgun start navy ones with the patch. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. I was very skeptical. I usually just wear like performance hats. They're the best kind of fall thing. Going out to your kids' soccer games, playing fall golf. They're nice and toasty, nice and warm, but not, you know, if it's like 30 degrees, you put on a winter hat. But for fall weather, we've got like some navy ones. Go get the, uh, I don't know if it's, fl- it's not flannel. It's like a it's wool cotton, type Yeah, you know, he, baseball, he, somebody cotton. jammed us when we called it flannel and they got it and they said, hey, you know, I looked at the... Uh, the the li- the list of uh, fabrics in it, and it's not flannel, and I'm upset. So, it's a, it's a warm cap. Go get. We have a few um, of them. We'll clean up. Create more room in the family room. Get, we got get some. Those. We got some. Yeah, we got to get the stuff out of the family room. Um, <laughs> it's like a, it's actually like a problem that we're we're running head into with the logistics center. Uh, they 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 need stuff that. It, it's caused an uproar in in the uh, in the in the Your logistics. Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. there was an emergency meeting called yesterday. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, while I was in town, you know the uh, but uh, the other um, the other thing we got great winter hats. Um, some new winter hats. I love them. I actually like pulled out one. Uh, we've got you know ones that have the SGS logo. And then across, just above it, it says shotgun start around it. Real cool. I'm not going to lie. This week, I played golf in a winter hat. It was that weather. So it's here. It's here for the northern climates. Be prepared. Get yourself a beanie. All right. SGSGolfAdvice at gmail.com. Do you want to go? Do you want me to go? How do you want to do I, it? Can I'll I, do can I do a, Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, I'm pulling this up again. This will be we're going to post these on on uh, YouTube. So, All right, maybe you know this yeah. this will yeah. be um this will be up there. And uh, I got uh I got my just a guy hat on just for the for the you know um for the Speed YouTube legions. audience. Yeah. All right, there we go. All right. Uh, this is emailer D. Age 30, two kids, no interest in fighting. I recently went on the most underrated buddy trip in the Midwest. Uh, I would get, I know where that is. It's, uh, it's probably in Michigan, Michigan. Western Michigan. Yeah. Um, yeah. With three buddies who all played golf in college. I did not, but I was a fine high school player many moons ago. And you're talking 12 years ago. He was a good high school player. Due to two kids, I only play a couple times a year. Not close enough to have a, a handicap. Um, we played a few scotch games, Vegas, best ball, etc., all straight up. As the weakest and rustiest player, I wasn't on the winning side often. Small money bets only. But should I have asked for strokes? If so, how, when the objective data isn't there? Like, how do I, if, if there's no objective data? Many thanks. Yeah. Um, D. Should he I mean, ask for strokes? Um, I mean, that's up to you. That's between you and your God. 
you know, and how comfortable you feel. Like, yeah, ask for one aside. Sounds like they're all good players, right? College players, but he played, you know, some a, a cup of coffee. High Can I just say I played golf in high school? Leaves a lot of room for interpretation, right? Like I know guys who play golf in high school who cannot break like 95, right? And they played for some D6 kind of team that had 10 boys in the school. And if you could kind of walk and chew gum, you play. So there, that, that right there kind of leaves you wide open for interpretation. But I think, look, the stroke, I get that some objective data, but it's all subjective. All of it, as we talked about with the handicap committees last week, we're getting popped for our handicap committee pushback. But it's all kind of subjective gray area. Ask for, ask for a shot aside or a, a couple strokes of, uh, a couple strokes around if, if you're comfortable. Whether they grant you it or not is a separate question. You can ask. I, I think this is a tough situation. Um like no you got this great group right everybody can play and you don't want to yeah. be the guy that asks for shots like that's no, like the number it's the number one thing is like and that's what makes this question compelling to me is like listen like i think you need to go into it you can't your problem right now one of your big problems is you think you need sh- strokes you need to go in there with an irrational attitude and think you're the best player, and maybe then you're going to play a little bit better. You're going to have a little bit more swagger, and you're not showing up every day with your tail between your legs. I think that's the problem here, is that you need a little bit of an attitude adjustment. I know these guys played college golf. I know they might not have kids like you. I know you don't get to play a lot, but like use this to your advantage. You, you, Golf means so much less to you than them. This trip means like, these guys also are dealing with the pressure. They can't lose to you. Like they are going to feel embarrassed if they lose to you because it's like, God, I can't even beat D who's got two kids and plays three times a year. Like I, I, so go into it with this type of attitude, attitude adjustment. As you said, it's small money. I don't think this means much to you. Just kind of build it into your, you know, maybe build it into your, offset of the trip saying like okay like i'm probably gonna i might lose like 50 bucks i i'm expecting to come out of this maybe a little bit down but then anything that happens is is a good thing this is about expectation management and attitude adjust your attitude don't be the guy that asks for shots especially if it's like if you're still like i always think like the barometer is like five shots, right? Like if you're, if there's three scratch players, you used to be a scratch player. Like you still have it in you. You still have it in you for stretches of holes for rounds on end. Do not relent. Don't give up the shots. Cause you're only going to play worse when you get the shots. I like that. I don't, I think it's hard to ask. I, I'm saying you don't need to feel ashamed, but. Yeah, I think for this kind of trip and these kinds of stakes, you just play. And if you get something, it's like kind of like you upset the you upset then, the, yeah, the rub it in, or something. Rub it in, huh? rub it in their right. face a little if you get right. something. Be like, you know, this is like the third round of golf I played all year. I can't believe how well I played. Can you guys believe it? It monitor. I mean, if it truly becomes non-competitive and it doesn't seem like it's that bad, like. I, you would think like there would be recognition of it and figure out how a way to make it more fun and competitive, but it doesn't sound like it's in that territory. All right. Next email. This is from Derek. 
this just cracked me up because there was some Zapruder filming attached to it, uh, which maybe we can put on the YouTube video. I don't know. How do we feel about people who tee up in front of the tee markers? <laughs> Let's say someone made a hole-in-one on seven at Pebble Beach in a money match. I use this example because Dwayne Wade just made a celebrated, it was all over social media, catnip, hole-in-one at Pebble Beach. And this, <laughs> But he clearly teed it up ahead of the tee markers, and he attaches this picture with his makeshift horizontal line, He's like zapruderating it. He's like, you know, drawing angles and triangulating the whole thing. He's like, he's clearly in front of the tee markers. He's shitting all over Dwayne Wade's parade, raining all over it. I think we know in a casual match or friendly game, especially at Pebble, you'd never call this out. Let someone enjoy the shot. <laughs> should we submit that Dwayne Wade's ace shouldn't have counted? Let's 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 kind of we repost this. On, yeah, we should put um, it out there. Let someone enjoy the shot, but let's say you're playing a serious money match with someone and they teed up ahead of the tee marker and make an ace. You can't bring it up, can you? What if your opponent has been a total jerk for six holes? Any scenario where you don't look petty calling this out? And I would say the short answer is no. I think you just you, you let it go. I right? think it, Come on. In, in general, in general, unless they're like a habitual tee yeah. up and forward. You just can't, even if you're playing the club championship and somebody is uh, four inches in front of the T marker, you cannot <laughs> be the guy that's like, Hey, you're, I'm going to ask you to re T because you're in front of the T marker. Like you can't, you can't be this petty. And I know the rules are the rules. I'm going to get all the rule Gestapos coming after me. But you cannot be this petty and expect to have like friends. Um, right, right. So if you're right. interested, I guess here's the thing. You know, we have. Are you interested in fighting? Are you interested in having friends? If you're interested in having friends, you do not say anything. Now, if somebody is regularly doing this, I think it's fair game. I think it's like you and you come at it with a joking of like, well, like at least I know how to tee off behind the marker, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you tee off behind the marker and you do it when they don't have a whole one, but you can start to, to, to poke them about their habitual issues teeing off behind the marker. I feel like this is a really not, not a recurring issue very much of all. Oh the yeah. There are, get, there are people that, that can't seem to get behind the marker. They itch it. Yeah. They inch it. I just, it there are like those people the, I've, I've seen them grand in scheme of things. It's just, not that big a problem. Um, all right. Yeah. Don't don't call him out. I, I do like calling out Twain Wade and trying to rain on I the catnip like parade that. of his ace. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. You all got right. another one you want me to get? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm 28. Ahead. No kids. Might be willing to fight the person in question of this email. <laughs> me and six friends are going on the golf trip this weekend. Six rounds and four days. Hopefully we're getting this out before this. It seems like it, this was an emergency. Emergency okay. sandbagging ruling. So hopefully okay. they'll be able to listen to this on their golf trip. Um, we have uh, handicaps varying from three to 18, and we're doing a Ryder Cup style team event for this trip. You, sounds just like your Myrtle trip. <laughs> sure. We have all been playing consistently, posting scores, tracking the strokes distribution for months leading into this trip. 
the sandbagging question comes from someone who has improved a lot this year with his handicap consistently decreasing throughout the year, currently sitting at a 13. Every time this person has a great round, he loves to brag in the group chat about what his new low index is. This doesn't sound like this guy's sandbagging. Like it seems like he's really proud of his achievements, right? He's putting it out there for public for consumption like, too. He's not hiding anything. Yeah. Taking great pride. Uh, however, this person played three rounds this weekend, a week prior to the trip. Now, would there be a handicap? What's the date? So there should be probably like a handicap adjustment on on. I think they do it twice a month. So on Friday, what is that? The 15th? no, no. It's, so, I think it's more rapid now. Okay, okay, we are not the experts on this. We got so much blowback about the same day posting and stuff because it factors weather in. I was like, all right, whatever. Whatever. Go ahead. I, I Go always, ahead. whenever I post scores, I always get notices. Could you please post this? Yes. More quickly. Like, oh, I, <laughs> I guess it's my like question a month is later. I'm like, oh yeah, I could put that score in. I backdate it. What does the weather no longer <laughs> exist on the backdate? Well, I think like they've done. The, they do the computation for everybody as they're rolling in. Yeah, yeah. as they're rolling in. Yeah, I know. I All know. right. So he played All three right. rounds this weekend, a week prior to the trip. After the fact, it was found this person didn't post those three scores. Yes, right before the trip. Ooh, sneaky. He claims after the fact and after getting called out for not posting is that he's predetermined that he wouldn't post the scores due to a number of factors, including he was sick. The greens were punched. He was walking two rounds in three days. Usually he doesn't walk. Now, I'm going to just put uh, out there. These three not... factors seem like he shot high scores that he didn't want to inflate his handicap up. Yeah. Like, these are not yeah. excuses of a sandbagger. Yep. These are excuses of a vanity handicap. Right. Which we did get a lot of feedback on that, too. That is more prevalent, I feel like, these days. Or as prevalent. Sandbaggers. So, if you're captain of one of these Ryder Cup teams, maybe you should be factoring this into your selections. Uh, the issue is that one of these scores was an 83, which would certainly decrease his index from 13 and would result in losing stroke equity versus the group during competition, which is something that is top of mind for him months prior to this trip as his handicap continues to lower. The lack of posting came to light because of the normal morning after handicap gloating was now. Nowhere to be nowhere to be heard. This person loves to debate, so he's currently trying to make it all oh, technicality, arbitrary, subjective handicap system. Like any middling public defender might attempt, stating that as we as as a group never established guidelines for us posting things like executive courses and nine hole scores. His overall thesis is that this we is as Aaron a group Rogers? never established just wanted to debate. Tick never, back, this, that, and the other. Never established anything definitive regarding posting scores despite common sense decency. While he has merit from a legal perspective, it's clear to me and other members of the group that he's not acting in good faith. I'd struggle to even call it sandbagging since it's so obvious, so in your face, but that's why I'm seeking your advice. Would you like to I would like to know your thoughts on the situation and how we should proceed? Uh, if we can't get a third-party ruling, I might change my status to willing to fight before the first tee. Thanks. Okay. I think there's a very clear s- solution to any group handicapping thing in a Ryder Cup-style match play event. And I think this is like 
this is a this is the way that the golf world should work with with hand handicapping match play match play like why good players are good players is that they don't make big numbers why bad player why mediocre golfers are mediocre is they get in a lot of car crashes throughout throughout the round of golf they make a double here a triple here a quad here you know, and good players, it's like a lot of good players will just not make double bogeys. And, you know, they know that, hey, a bogey's not going to hurt me because I'm going to make a couple birdies and in the grand scheme of things. So, like, that's the difference between great players and bad players. Match play, the handicap gap, like, incre- like it, it decreases. So, like, 15 handicaps and threes, like, it's not as big of a gap because, like, you're only losing one hole. So... If you're super worried about the handicap system and everything, just like go big percentage dock on handicap. We're playing at 70%. It's got to be 80% or greater with this because this like this whole this should be how the handicap system works for match play is that it should always I think it should be played between 60 and 80% of handicap with match play because that's the difference between good players and average players. So with this, like all of a sudden, if you're playing at 70% handicap, guess what? The last revision doesn't really matter. His 83 doesn't matter because he's getting docked down. Um, so just play it at a big percentage. And like all of these issues, all of this mitigation doesn't really matter. It's inconsequential because you're docking them down a percentage. That's my advice. Yeah. I'm letting you go with that one. Letting you run. We That was a long email. That was a good, good response. Uh, but I do like you, you're presenting sort of uh, defense evidence about excuses not being really that of a handicapper or, or uh, excuses that would seem to portend high scores, not low scores. That All, actions. All actions. All yeah. actions are are like the yeah. gloating, everything. The bragging. You know, yeah. I've been yeah. entering scores yeah. and my handicap's going the direction I don't want it to go, which is getting better. I'm not gloating to people. I, I you know, I, right. I like, I, I'm like terrified of the next time I have to, playing a match with it i'm like i i don't think i can play to this you know but the handicap keeps telling me that's the way it's going so yeah this isn't a good thing it's not a good thing when your handicap goes down unless you're you want your handicap to go down which it seems like this guy wants his handicap to go down he seems into that all right i think that does it my wi-fi is being brutal i had one more i wanted to get to but i i'm losing i'm losing picture you're choppy let's just call it we're at an hour is that okay with you that's we'll fine post with this me. to YouTube. Everyone, enjoy your weekends. We'll be back with you on Monday. Check out the uh, Friday Golf Pro Shop. Uh, we will be back on Monday to debrief on what? Live Golf, uh, Shriners, a whole bunch of golf. We'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.